It's good to be in God's house, isn't it? And y'all don't need to worry about the air not, you know, up to the temperature you normally have. But this just reminds me of one of my favorite places. It reminds me of one of my deer stands, so it's good. <laughs> I smiled this morning as we were singing Breathe. My wife and I raised six children, and about 20 years ago we were listening to that. And the line says, I'm desperate for you. We caught our youngest one singing, I'm dressed before you. <laughs> so they don't always hear it the same, but it leads to great memories. Six children also led to me losing my hair color. Would you join with me now if you want? Um, I'm going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, the 25th chapter, beginning with verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish, uh, foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the bank wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came, also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Would you please pray with me? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how you reveal yourself to us. May we now... Look at what you have, and Lord, may I be just your humble vessel, that I may not interfere with your message, but that I would deliver it in a way that glorifies and honors you. Amen. Would you recognize the contribution of Lieutenant General Robert Stevenson Smith Baden-Powell? He lived from 1857 to 1941, and in addition to being a British Army officer and a writer, Baden-Powell was the founder of the Worldwide Scout Movement. See, he saw the need to mentor young boys ages 11 to 18, and he published Scouting for Boys, which sold over 100 million copies. His program gave rise to the Boy Scouts of America. Later, he helped his sister Agnes in founding the Girl Scout Organization. And for the Boy Scouts, he adopted the motto, Be Prepared. And when he told this, he was asked the almost obvious question, Be Prepared for what? And he quickly quipped, Why, for any old thing. But how prepared is prepared enough? See, I remember when I was a scout leader, we were going to take our troop, which included two of my sons, on a short uh, hike with an overnight camping trip. Now, my younger son 
packed his things a week ahead of time. He began preparing and packing and getting ready for it. His older brother started this chore about an hour before we were going to leave the house. The older one took with him a tarp and a rope. He had some things to cook and a few food items. He was going to string the rope between two trees, throw the tarp over it. That was his tent. The younger brother had packed a commercial tent, and he had a backpack that was so abundantly filled that very soon into the hike it became evident he could not carry it. And so we adult leaders all had to take turns putting a pole across our shoulders with the backpack hanging on it like a deer swinging. The troop leader told him later, make sure next time you only packed what was really essential. However, the camping trip was uneventful. It was short, it was good weather, it was overnight. And so neither boy seemed to lack. But had there been other things that had come up, Had someone been injured and there was a need for first aid? Had there been a change in the weather and it became far different weather than what we had started out with? Had there been a case where somebody had gotten separated, either of my boys, which one would have been prepared in the longer run? In the short run, they both survived it well. Semper paratus is the motto of the U.S. Coast Guard, and it means always ready. See, the teams of the U.S. Coast Guard are always prepared because they keep their equipment up to date and they keep up with adequate training. And that's very comforting to know if you're ever out on the water and the need arises. Decades ago, when I lived in New Jersey, I had a friend, Billy, who was, like myself, an avid hunter and fisherman. He later married and he moved to Florida where he bought a boat. And one day he and a friend decided it would be a great idea to go out into the ocean off the shore of Florida and fish. And they got all their preparations together. They had their fishing equipment, they had food, they had water. Just too bad neither one of them thought to check the fuel tank. After drifting three days on the ocean, Billy said later that He had gotten so bored with playing cards, he thought he was going to lose his mind. Of course, knowing Billy as I did, I wondered how much he started out with. But these two men were certainly grateful for the preparedness of the Coast Guard crew that searched for him, located him, and towed him back into port. Our sermon text today is a parable that Jesus told in response to an inquiry about the timing of God's coming kingdom. And see, the details of this story would have been very familiar to a first century Jewish audience. Couples were betrothed for a period of time during which the the husband lived in the father's home. And his bride would stay in her parents' home. They were married in the sense that they were betrothed to each other. However, the woman and her bridal party, the bridesmaids, were to be ready. They were to be prepared for the time of the arrival of the groom where he would come get his bride and then take her to start their life together. Now, how long would that take? As long as it would. It was at the time the father declared, go now and get your bride. So clearly, though, the groom expected 
that the women would be ready and watching. So what elements of this parable are disturbing to us in our day and time? First of all, nowhere in the story can you find inclusion. See, our present society has almost deified inclusion in every instance of the culture. It's almost unconscionable to leave anybody out in any way. I mean, if a child's parent signs them up for a team, it's expected at the end of the season they'll get a trophy just because they were there. doesn't matter how many practices they might have missed or how many games. It's even trickled down to preschool. Now, preschool is getting to the point where in many places in the country, they want graduations on a high school or collegiate level. Now, I'm fine with celebrating at the end of the year these little ones moving on to kindergarten. There should be a little party. But if you search Google, you will see in some parts of the country where there are mind-boggling recommendations for how much of a monetary gift to give a five-year-old for graduating preschool. And in one particular preschool, they were actually charging the parents $130 to cover the cost of the venue for the graduation. They were trying to include them on a high school and collegiate level. This is silly. The parable may disappoint some people because it doesn't hand out any kind of accolade for almost committed or for showing up late. And the outcome seems a bit harsh. We have to remember, it reveals God's plan of salvation, rapture, and tribulation. And keep in mind, it's God's plan, not ours to dispute. So let's take a look at the bridesmaids. All ten went out to meet the groom. So initially, all of them were expecting something good to happen something marvelous that they had been anticipating. And they were all properly attired for the occasion, so they looked good on the outside. Their appearance was appropriate to any observers. And all ten were carrying lamps. This was so that the groom could identify them as being members of the wedding party. But in verse 5, we're told that the groom was delayed. Now, we're not given a reason And we're not given the length of time he was delayed. We're just simply told he was delayed. These aren't details that we're privileged to know. This was the groom's call or his father who was sending him. During this delay, however, it says the bridesmaids became drowsy and slept. Church, I want you to understand, sleeping in and of itself is not wrong. If we've done our daily tasks, if we're prepared in a state of readiness, there's nothing wrong with slumbering. In Matthew chapter 8, it tells Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, and it says, And when evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He drove out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. When he saw a large crowd around him, he gave the order to go to the other side of the lake. You see, his daily tasks were done, even though there were still many people around. He didn't feel guilty. He was done for the day. It says in verse 24, a violent storm arose, 
so that the boat was being swamped, but Jesus kept sleeping. Now, I hope you'll see in the midst of turmoil, sleeping's not necessarily a reason to feel guilty. My wife is a light sleeper, and many things will disturb her. And the next morning, she said, oh, I was awake for this length of time during the night. And I'm one of those, my head hits the pillow, very little wakes me until the next morning. I'm not saying that if you are awakened and God puts it on your heart to pray for somebody that you just turn over and go, I'll catch it in daylight. Please understand me. If God puts it on your heart that there is prayer needed, pray as long as God tells you. It may be 10 minutes and it may be two hours, but if you do what your father has given you for the day and you're prayed up and you're content in your readiness and your preparation, go ahead and take your rest. However, the five foolish bridesmaids were not prepared and they weren't ready when the drowsiness overtook them and they slept. See, they were only ready for the immediate, for the short run. They weren't prepared for the longer haul with the delay. The minimal amount of oil burning their lamps was the extent of their poor preparation. Like my friend Billy, there was only enough fuel for a very short time. But in due time, the bridesmaids, like Billy, would realize how disappointing and embarrassing such foolishness could turn out. Now, perhaps this part in the story was common in the first century, but as I read this, I'm thinking, didn't any of these women take notice of the wise ones that they had flasks? I mean, folks, in my observance of women today, I know this one thing. They will always notice and comment on another woman's accessories. Am I right? I mean, nowadays it would be like, did you see her flask? I mean, it so did not go with her lamp. Meanwhile, us guys were like, who had lamps? What are we even talking about? Right? But as the parable was originally told, the five foolish did not take notice. So therefore, they were unprepared. Now, this speaks of the hypocrisy of some people by looking like the faithful. I said they were attired for the occasion. They looked like the faithful but they were not truly ready for whenever the Lord returns. And then in verse 6 it says, At midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And they see, this speaks of the rapture, as Paul told the church at Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. See, it's going to happen so suddenly that only those that are prepared are going to be ready. Verse 7 says, All those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. Now, that's a term we may not be too familiar with today. We're in the age of battery powered flashlights and even flashlights in our cell phone. But to trim a lamp, is to adjust the wick up or down. And so therefore, it'll either burn more oil or less oil accordingly. 
Since now the bridegroom was arriving, they were going to trim their wicks up so that their lamps would burn as brightly as possible to show the bridegroom, here we are, we've been waiting, we're ready. It was at this time, though, the foolish ones realized their folly, and in desperation, notice what they did. They gave a command to the wise ones. They didn't request. They didn't say, hey, could you? They said, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. And the wise women answered with a refusal. Now, this is another troubling part of this parable. See, in our culture's incessant attempt at unilateral equality in every area, this seems unfair. I mean, we're told we should share our abundance with those less fortunate. That's true. However, the wise bridesmaids were not being selfish. Misapplied, that would seem so. You see, the oil represents the fullness of the Holy Spirit within the vessel. The wise virgins or the wise bridesmaids could not give away their relationship with God. They could not give away their faith. Likewise, church, we cannot give our own relationship with God to anyone else. We can show evidence of our relationship. We can show evidence of our faith through our deeds. James 2.18 says, I will show you my faith by my works. We can testify to the presence of the Holy Spirit by the fruit that we bear, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, that evidence will point others in the right direction. But ultimately, the responsibility to acquire their own oil or for us to acquire our own oil rests with the individual. And this is why the wise bridesmaids sent them off to get their own. We, too, have to buy our own supply of oil, and that's not with money. We fill our, our flasks with oil by our diligence, by obediently and prayerfully living spirit-filled lives each day, by staying in God's word and living righteously as the spirit convicts and encourages, that's the way that we get our own oil. The attempt of the five foolish ones to get this oil or to show themselves as spirit-filled, it was too late. When they later tried to enter the wedding banquet, the door was closed and it wouldn't be reopened. It wasn't the same in the time of Noah. For about a century, people watched Noah building an ark, but they gave no value to God's plan that was behind it. They paid no attention to what God wanted. When that door was closed and the rain fell and they were left outside, the time had come the door would not be open to them, not until after the wrath of the flood. The rapture is coming, but when? Soon. That's as far as I can say. That's as far as we can know. Jesus never gave us a definitive date, but it is coming. And those without oil in their lamps will experience the tribulation. Friends, we need to be prepared we need to be ready so that our lamps are burning brightly. 
The five wise bridesmaids were ready. They had plenty of oil. But did they have a flaw on their own part? Why didn't they take notice of their companion's lack of oil? Did each one just presume because they were ready that the others in the group were ready as well? Take a minute and think about the person sitting to your left or your right and ask yourself, shouldn't I be concerned if their lamp has enough oil with the rapture that's approaching so quickly? We need to be concerned about those and their state of readiness in addition to ours. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 to 11 says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. We need to encourage one another so that no one misses the rapture. Friends, look at the world events. Jesus told when the end was coming near. He said war and rumors of war. Do you realize since 1970 there have been about 476 coup attempts throughout the world? Many of them in the African nations where Christianity is rising. Ukraine is in the second year of war with Russia. And on October the 7th, the pure wickedness and evil that has manifested in Hamas came into Israel. He also talked about daily earthquakes. Do you know that in the month of October, in an eight-day period, Augusta County felt three earthquakes just outside of Stanton in the little town of Stewart's Draft? It's gaining. And then we have agendas, social agendas, that try to make the right seem wrong and the wrong seem right. The Q portion of the LGBTQ, which they proudly declare stands for queer, with that blanket title, they say that anything that is beyond or other than what God declares as a normal sexual relationship between a husband and wife, that's the blanket they're under. And people in that group are lobbying our politicians in Washington to decriminalize what we would call pedophilia. These people want no punishment, no repercussions for their acts. Now, friends, I might be labeled for hate speech with this. Please understand, this is not hate speech. I love my grandchildren. I saw three of your children up here in church. And when there is a twisted agenda with a self-gratifying attitude behind it for the adult to perpetrate things on innocent children, we have to speak the truth. The truth of Jesus Christ who said, and we sang, Jesus loves the little children. We have to stand up and we have to recognize there is an agenda that makes the right seem wrong and the wrong seem right. And it's time to stand up and speak up in the name of Jesus. 
See, Jesus is not going to delay forever in coming back to get his church. It's coming soon. A few months ago, I read a book entitled, Has the Tribulation Begun? It was written by Amir Sarfati. Amir is a Messianic Jew. He was a major in the Israeli Defense Force. And he makes it clear from the outset to take a breath as you're reading the book that you have not missed the rapture. The tribulation has not begun. But he makes it very, very clear that it's approaching quickly. He tells all the things that have to fall in place. And we're heading on that at a very fast pace. How will we feel if friends and loved ones weren't ready because we hadn't bothered to ask them, have you prepared with enough oil? Will we wonder, will we frantically ask, did I do enough? Steven Spielberg in 1993 put out the film Schindler's List. Liam Neeson portrays Oscar Schindler, the Nazi war profiteer, who secured the safety of between 1,000 and 1,200 Jews. Using his own money, he bribed Germanic, uh, German officials so that he could take his workers to his factory instead of them going to Auschwitz. And although historians debate the authenticity of the final scene, it has stuck with me for 30 years in this portrayal. Instead of focusing on those that he had saved, Neeson's character became inconsolable by thinking of how many more he might have saved. He looked at his various possessions. He speculated how many Jewish workers each could have saved had he sold his watch, his car. And finally, at the end, he sobs, I didn't do enough. Friends, are we willing to do enough? And then when we have, are we willing to do even more? Time is short. Contemporary Christian artist Crystal Lewis sings, people get ready, Jesus is coming, soon we'll be going home. People get ready, Jesus is coming to take from the world his own. If you're not familiar with the song, I invite you sometime to listen to it because the whole song speaks so much of the essence of this lesson. In Nairi, Kenya, there's a small cemetery that contains one particular grave that is a national monument. In addition to the expected name and dates etched into the stone, there's a circle with a dot that's on it. The grave belongs to Robert Baden-Powell. The symbol is the Boy Scout trail marker, which means I have gone home. See, Baden-Powell lived by his words, and he taught them to so many others, be prepared. Friends, may we also be prepared and encourage those around us to be prepared until our lives bear the symbol, I have gone home. May God grant it. Amen. Each Sunday, when the gospel is proclaimed, in the Baptist tradition, there is a hymn of invitation. At this time, as we sing our final hymn, 
which was so well picked out, oil in your, in your lamp. If you have a need, if there's a burden on your heart, 